Hello, welcome to Midweek Mom Talk on 360 Talk Radio for Women. I'm Dr. Jackie, the owner of Motion Spot LLC and Motion Spot Pediatrics. Today's topic is a familiar one, but it has been coming up with a lot of my clients. And that, of course, is screen time. Children and technology, especially toddlers and technology. And if you're new to this show, a little bit of background, my doctoral research focused on the impact that technology has or can have on child play and development. I chose this topic because I was creating a board game and have since created that board game, but with my research, I wanted to make sure that this game was designed with only the most optimal features for kids to have fun, learn, and grow overall, all together in one game, and I really didn't see much of that before in any other games that were on the market. A lot of those educational quote-unquote games were not actually educational and the ones that were educational or served some sort of developmental benefit had maybe one or two things that they worked on or that they helped with but there wasn't such a well-rounded type of game that could have developmental benefits in multiple different areas and multiple different categories. So that was my goal with my research. And the results of my research actually ended up changing my doctoral thesis a little bit because originally I was just trying to make a game that had the best possible features. So I was looking, I was researching, you know, top games, what are the best features, what are things that maybe I should avoid. And instead, what ended up coming up was technology and features of games currently are embedded with different levels of tech. And the ultimate result of my research was that most types of screen time are not our friend. In other words, most types of screen time are not good for development, and not only not good, but can actually be bad. Now, before we get any further, whenever I talk about this topic, I always want to be very, very clear that the information I provide is not meant to be interpreted as any type of parent shaming. I'm absolutely not shaming any parent for decisions they make for their child that is completely inappropriate, not at all my place or my purpose. My only objective is to put the information out there so parents have as much knowledge as possible when making decisions, and then they can be confident in those decisions. I also try to provide alternative activities to screen time and support for decreasing screen use for anyone who might be interested in something like that. Or if you just need more ideas for how to keep the kids entertained and occupied without giving the TV or the tablet or the phone. I have a toddler myself. I have two kids now. 
my toddler has had screen time before. We're not a 100% screen-free house, although we are going in that direction, and I'll explain a bit more about that later. But that's what I'm trying to get at, the point of I'm not trying to shame anyone, because I'm not saying that I, you know, I'm this perfect parent who doesn't give screens to her kids. That's not what I'm saying at all. Again, I'm really just providing information about this topic and what is currently out there to help you make informed decisions. All right, so back on track now. When I started my research, again, it wasn't because I hated TV or I was going into parenting saying I'll never let my kids watch TV. That wasn't even really on my radar. I was not a mom yet when I started my research. I was really, truly just trying to create the best possible low-tech new board game for kids and families to play and enjoy. And when I say low-tech, I did go into the research wanting a low-tech game because a lot of the things that were coming up on the market and coming out and just in general around and available were higher-tech types of things and different apps and, you know, games that maybe we grew up with turned digital somehow. So I thought it would be a good idea to kind of go back to our roots and make a low-tech classic styled board game. So my research initially began by looking into what those best features for a game or toy to have, looking at what are those features, which features were not so great, and like I said, that's where technology came in. So with low-tech toys, you have what's called either open-ended options or close-ended options. Open-ended toys, they utilize a child's imagination. So things like dolls, blocks, magnetiles, these are open-ended. Children can truly use their imagination and create whatever it is that they want to create. Whatever type of game they want to play, they can make up their own rules. There aren't specific rules to follow for how to play. That is open-ended. A close-ended toy or game, these have instructions for how to play, like a board game, right? They have specific instructions that these are the rules, you know, this is how you play that game. There are benefits to both options, and I'll touch a little bit on that. But high-tech toys and games, I mean, I suppose that they can be kind of open and close-ended too, depending on the game. I was originally going to say that high-tech toys can really only be close-ended, but I'm actually thinking of a game that I used to play growing up. Um, I forgot exactly what it's called. Something about like roller coasters and you make your own theme park. So the rules, you know, they have rules or there are different like levels that you have to beat. I think there was a certain amount of maybe money that you had to bring in or people you had to bring in. There was something that like you had to win a level somehow, I think I remember. But how you did that was on your own. You could create whatever kind of amusement park you wanted, put in any kinds of rides, design any of the roller coasters. So in that sense, they were open-ended like you got to use your imagination for how you wanted to create those 
But anyway, what really came up a lot through my research as far as the technology goes wasn't so much whether the game was open-ended or closed-ended, but really it was more about these lights and sounds that are included in a lot of games and toys. And that's what I meant when I said that a lot of the current games and toys have tech embedded in them. Right, so you might think like, oh, this is a low-tech toy because it's not a screen, it's not a game on a tablet, it's not an app on your phone, it's not a show on the TV, right? So it must be low-tech. I would call it maybe a, a middle, middle-level tech because it's not low-low tech. There is a battery that you have to put in to these types of games that I'm thinking about right now. And then there are lights that come on or there are sounds. There's, you know, push this button and it sings a song, the, the, the thing, whatever it is. We have a bunch of these in my house. There are stuffed animals that if you push a button, it sings a song or like the, uh, the nose lights up or whatever, right? Things like that are embedded with lights and sounds. And again, I have these myself. Most of them I'll say I did not buy. People gifted them to us, and some of them, you know, I like better than others, but these are the types of games and toys that they make it seem like they are educational, but oftentimes they are truly not, or, you know, they make it seem like it's developmentally beneficial, and unfortunately, they just don't have any research or evidence to back up those statements, just because the game or the toy somehow includes numbers, just because it somehow includes letters, or, you know, the stuffed animal sings the alphabet, that does not necessarily mean that it's going to teach your child letters, numbers, or how to, you know, recognize the alphabet. It might, it might not do that, just so, but just because they're part of this game, marketers are able to advertise it as being educational, right? They use that very loosely and it's not specific. So this is what I came across a lot in my research and it actually made me very angry and pretty frustrated and now I see it everywhere, right? It's like when you first, you know, you've never heard of something and then you you hear of it for the first time and then suddenly it's everywhere. This is exactly what happened with this detail that I discovered in my research. Now I see it literally everywhere. Like every game that my kids have, every box that a toy comes in that people gift us, or if I'm looking through, you know, what I might want to get for my kids, just about all of them say, you know, educational this or developmental that. And I then, you know, look at the details of what is this game? What is this toy? Why are they claiming it's educational? Is it truly educational? And oftentimes that answer is unfortunately no, because the reality is that a game or a toy needs to have more than, you know, just swiping or memorizing. There needs to be more to it for it to have that benefit, for it to truly teach kids something. And as far as those middle tech games that I was talking about a couple of minutes ago, like the stuffed animal that, you know, when you push the button, 
it sings a song or, you know, it says, you know, my hand is blue, something like that. I'm sure a lot of you know exactly which toy I'm talking about. I don't mind this toy. I think it's very cute, but it's definitely marketed towards younger children and it doesn't make the connection for the kids on its own. Like, okay, if a child doesn't know what a hand is or what the color blue is, how are they going to learn what the color blue looks like when this this toy just says my hand is blue? If the child doesn't make that connection of, oh, this is a hand and that's the color blue, they're not going to learn the color. When the toy sings the whatever it might sing, I think it sings the alphabet, maybe it doesn't. If they sing the alphabet but the child has never really heard the alphabet, they're not going to know, oh, these are letters, right? They're going to hear these noises and just think of it as like song lyrics in a way without truly understanding what it is that they're hearing or perhaps one day what it is that they're saying. So these mid-level tech toys definitely have some potential for being educational, but they lack in making those true connections for kids to learn and the only way that these toys will truly be able to have educational ability is if parents play too and this was a second key component to my research this was another theme that came up throughout my research consistently Really, it's for any kind of toy, whether it's lower tech or higher tech, for a child to get as much education out of that game or toy, the parent has to be involved or an adult, any kind of adult has to participate in that play experience, but especially so if it is a tech toy, whether mid-level or high tech screen time If there is technology involved, higher level technology, an adult needs to be playing with the child in order for that game, toy, or even TV show to have benefit to it, or at the very least, for that game, show, whatever I just listed out, for it to not have developmental detriment right at the very least we don't want it to have a negative effect on your child so in order to do that a grown-up must be involved and that is because when a grown-up is not involved and a child is doing a high-tech activity they oftentimes turn into zombies right think of yourself or your spouse or your friend if they're scrolling on their phone and you try to talk to them How many of you have ever experienced they are sitting right next to you, they are scrolling, and you say something to them, their response is, what? Huh? Right, they didn't hear you. You're sitting right next to them. Maybe it's happened to you. Maybe you're on your phone, you're scrolling, you're kind of in this world of scrolling on your phone. Someone says something to you, you hear a noise, but you don't know what it is. Huh? What? If my husband hears this, he's going to laugh because that's basically all the time with us, especially if I talk to him and not even if he's on his phone, just if he's otherwise distracted in any capacity, for some reason, he can only hear something if he is looking at the person. He can only hear what he sees. But anyway, I digress. 
that is a similar situation to when a child is on a screen or using a high-tech toy. They turn into these zombies where they are just all encompassed. It's all consuming of, of their body, of their mind, right? They are completely engulfed in this screen. Or if it's a mid-level toy, they're engulfed in the lights, in the sounds. So when an adult is part of that playtime, especially if it's screen time, the adult can break up the monotony of sitting and watching. The adult can point things out, make the connections, create conversations, and that will turn this otherwise bland and potentially detrimental experience into a positive, developmentally beneficial experience. During screen time or high-tech play is not the time for kids to be independent. It is not the time for independent play. Independent play is better to take place during low-tech activities. And that's because low-tech play, especially if it's open-ended play, will foster imagination, imagination skills. And this is a big learning opportunity for kids because they will get to practice skills. They will get to create their own conversations in their head. Sometimes they verbalize these conversations. Sometimes we understand what they say, sometimes not. But they get to create their own worlds instead of a world being created for them, which is what a screen does, right? You sit, you watch what's there. You don't have to really do much. You don't have to create any sort of imaginative environment or really have any impact on the show, right? You just sit and you watch. But with those open-ended low-tech games and toys, kids are able to use their imagination, like I said, practice new skills, but also create curiosity within their environment, which will help them gain the knowledge or opportunity and interest in exploring their environments and when they explore they practice more skills they learn how to do new things they learn cause and effect of different things so that is the time for independent play yes of course parents can be part of low-tech play as well that's great there needs to be both independent play and you know social play with other kids or adults but I'm just trying to say here that independent play should not be happening during screen time or with high-tech toys. And unfortunately, a lot of what we see in, you know, society, in TV shows, what we read about in mom blogs is the opposite, that when kids are watching TV, that's when we leave them alone. Because for whatever reason, it's just been, like, I guess, taught to us either, I don't know if it's, like, explicitly stated anywhere or how this happened, but somehow we learned as parents 
that, you know, kids are so entertained or seemingly entertained by screens that if we need a break, we can give them the screen, put them in front of a show, you know, give them that high-tech toy, and that'll keep them occupied. So while they're doing that, that's when we can, you know, go make dinner or go fold laundry or go get some work done, right? So that's what happens often, but it should really be the opposite. So when kids are sitting in front of that screen, they're seemingly entertained, right? But they're actually in, like I said, that zombie state. And a lot of what's happening is really just noise. It's just this engulfing, all-encompassing noise that's not really serving a benefit. I don't want to, I never say 100% of the time or all the time. I'm not that kind of researcher and I have some, you know, I'm realistic to an extent. So I'm not saying every single time your kid is watching a show, they're just, you know, in this zombie-like state with noise around them and that's it. But often that's what it turns into. It's just this noise and it's not actually teaching them anything or they're you know often not learning things and here's an example when my son first started watching shows right i've i've given him screen time my husband introduced the ever so popular coco melon to my son when he was about 18 months i did not let him have anything before 18 months again that's just based on research kids between 18 months and two years old is when they can start being introduced to some level of screen time. But really before that age, there is no need for it and also just no benefit to it, but huge potential for detriment. So anyway, so when he introduced Cocomelon and Why Cocomelon, because that was the only show my husband had ever heard of to watch for kids and he thought that it would be cute. So anyway, major eye roll, right? He's since learned his lesson. But when we introduced that show, it is advertised as a show for toddlers and babies, right? It's advertised as a show for children, for very, very young children. And what do they do on that show? It's a lot of songs. They sing songs. They move around a lot. They, you know, what are the songs about? The alphabet, there's a happy birthday song, something about dogs, something about sharing, you know, great messages, awesome. My 18-month-old is not going to learn the alphabet or head, shoulders, knees, and toes or sharing from watching these songs. He's just not. That's not an appropriate thing to happen and it's just not something that you can expect to happen from this show. Those skills are a bit too advanced for 18 months old, but it's also just not the right environment or the right teaching method for an 18-month-old, or for, I would say, most children. But now he's three years old, and when he listens to these songs or if he watches them on occasion, he sings with them, he is able to clap along or repeat what they're saying and understanding the concepts going on in the songs and in these videos. 
So this show, while it's advertised as being for very young kids, it really serves no benefit for them. But when they are a little bit older, now is when he's actually getting anything out of it besides just sitting and watching something, not knowing what's happening. So that's what I mean by it's just noise, right? When he was younger and watching it or listening to it, it was really just noise. He was not grasping what was happening. And now that he's older and he has a better understanding and his brain has developed a bit more, he's learned a lot more, he's able to better understand what is happening in these songs and videos. So that's one thing. The other thing is that... When I say they're seemingly entertained, right, that's kind of what I mean, that they're, it's not that they're entertained and, like, staying busy for a long time. They're really just sucked into this zombie-like state and into noise. But when they play independently with low-tech and they're using their imagination, that is true entertainment. They are busy their bodies are busy their minds are busy and they are truly entertained and that's when they should be able to play for longer periods of time so if you need your break or you need to get work done or you need to you know do laundry do the cooking all those things it's really during that independent play with low tech that you should be able to get more done plus you won't have that guilt because i know Right, I mentioned it in the beginning. A lot of moms are like, oh, yeah, you know, I put my kid in front of the TV, and if you tell me not to, like, you're shaming me. I'm not shaming. But why do parents say that? Because they feel a level of guilt. They know that TV isn't actually good for their kid to use. So they feel guilty that they're putting their child in front of a TV, and it becomes like, you know, this cool mom thing to do, or like the popular thing to do is to do what you're knowing is maybe not the best thing to do so a lot of moms think or and dads a lot of parents grown-ups think that having them entertained quote-unquote because they're in this zombie state that means that they're going to be able to sit there for a very long time and that's when you'll get your work done okay sure is that the best for your child no we know that it is not but also young kids there is only so long that they can pay attention to something. There is only so long that they can really entertain themselves or, you know, maintain entertainment independently. So if you only have five minutes, right, better to have them be playing on their own with the low tech than to put them in front of that screen so that you can get things done. And my mom is actually someone who does this constantly, if my kids are acting up or having, you know, if they're being kind of fussy, she'll like automatically whip out her phone and try to give it to them. And I always tell her not to, because then I'm the one who has to deal with the repercussions of that. Not her, right? She gets these five seconds of peace when my kid is entertained by her phone, but I have to deal with the repercussions. And it's, you know, every progress, bit of progress that we've made is just down the toilet. So what do I mean by repercussions? What I noticed, and I'm sure there is a scientific reason for it, my research did mention that there are alterations that happen in to brain matter with enhanced levels of screen time for young children because the brains are still developing and, you know, different sciencey things that I'm not going to pretend to know the details about, 
but there is some sort of change that happens in the brain when you watch too many screens or when you're using these high-tech flashy toys. And for older children and adolescents, we know that there are also emotional connections with regard to how much screen time they have. The more screen time, the more prevalence and the more we see things like anxiety and depression and just, you know, overall negative moods. So what I noticed with my son, so again, he's three years old now, when he has a lot of screen time, he turns into a totally different human. Like that is when he becomes a true three-nature with the tantrums and increased meltdowns, more defiant behaviors, throwing things, you know, like screaming for what he wants. And it's like my sweet baby is gone. And I hate that. I don't know who wouldn't hate that, right? It's not enjoyable for anyone. So any like benefit or relaxation or peace that I might have gotten by giving him my phone for five minutes is completely negated by the tantrum that would come from taking the phone away. So what do we do instead? And you can see this on our Instagram page. I posted a screen-free Saturday. So what a screen-free Saturday looks like in my house. You can see that on Motion Spot Pediatrics page. I think it's actually on both and Motion Spot LLC page. So why I posted specifically screen-free Saturday is because on the weekends that tends to be, or any day really, that you are alone with your child for the whole day, right? So if you're a stay-at-home parent and your child is not in a daycare or school facility, then this could be any day. But for a lot of parents, their child is home with them on the weekends. So that's when you're more likely to have screen exposure and high-tech exposure. So that's why I specifically made it a screen-free Saturday. And we, what we did, we played with his cars that he likes. We built a fort, which he really enjoyed. He played with, you know, just different toys. And it looks all well and good. And it is. But how did we get here? So like I said, we introduced screens at 18 months. And that was not my choice. But, you know, whatever. My husband basically felt like it was unavoidable. So really, I hate his excuses. He's the king of excuses for everything. But when he says it's unavoidable, like, okay, yeah, to an extent, I suppose it is not avoidable because this is just the age that we live in. We live in this age of technology and there's always going to be more and more technology. We're not getting away from it and I'm not under any impression that we're going to get away from it. So while we might not be able to avoid technology and showing our kids or having our kids rather see technology, we can control how much he sees, how much time he spends, how much access he has to screens and high-tech toys. And it took some convincing for my husband, but eventually, finally, I was able to, you know, let him kind of get him to see the light, so to speak, because we tried a few different things. First, we tried banning that Coco Melon show from the YouTube channels. That did not work because it banned the English versions, but the like Swedish version and like other languages, 
didn't get banned for whatever reason so then we were like all right if he's gonna watch it in another language he might as well just watch it in russian so that he's learning his second language that we speak at home to him so then we went from english screen time to russian screen time because we figured at least there was some sort of benefit there okay that worked maybe a little bit or it seemed like it was helpful or at least made us feel better that he was getting some sort of language development benefits from this screen time if he was or not i'm really not sure but also it was a while ago so i don't totally remember but his behaviors are really what we hated his behaviors are really why we wanted to start decreasing screens and screen time so there came a point when i said enough with my husband's lame excuses that we can't avoid our kids having screens because I just could not take the tantrums anymore, especially since I'm the one who stays home with my son at that time. So I said, that's it, no more, and we are stopping turning the TV on in the morning. That's it. So we no longer allowed my son to watch TV before a certain time. I think we said not before 9am, so he tries to have like two hours without screens is what we started with he wakes up around seven so we would not let him before 9 a.m and then we would try to delay it as long as possible what do i mean by as long as possible it's exhausting for us too changing a behavior is a lot and it's not something that happens overnight so we went with the smaller goals approach instead of taking it all away at once like cold turkey style so what we did was the night that i said enough is enough there was a big tantrum i don't remember what precipitated it but it was awful and the way that i got it to end you know we tried a bunch of things and you know we let kind of time take its course also but towards the end of the tantrum when I tried to kind of help him move on, I took out a toy that he loves but had not played with for a while. And the reason he didn't play with it for a while was because he was so stuck on his TV and his shows. And that toy for us happened to be a train set. It's like this wooden train set and the train is manual. There's no battery for it. So you get to set up your own train tracks, you know, put them together however you please. It comes with these like cute little trees and little people and then these magnetic um, trains. So I took that out. I started playing with it myself. I didn't even invite him to play with me because he was at the point in his tantrum where you did not want to look at him or talk to him. Like if, you know, don't make eye contact kind of thing because he just would freak out more. So I basically started playing with this toy by myself. And then in a few moments, he noticed it and he wanted to play too. So he came and started playing it with me. And that's how that tantrum ended. And we had no screens the rest of that day. That was pretty close to bedtime anyway. So not so bad. At that point, my husband also had his bedtime routine with my son be to watch a few videos. Not like random videos, but some songs that they like, some lullaby songs. And that was how my son was going to sleep watching some videos and then being put to bed so that night we tried to also change the routine my husband decided on his own then to make sure that my son gets read a couple of books before watching a video if there's even a video involved so that's when he started what we do now as our current nighttime routine 
my husband reads my son at least three books and then sometimes there's a video sometimes not and then my son goes to bed so anyway so back to that night so then what I decided to do the next morning or for the next morning I sit it up at night I left the train out usually we clean up at night put things away but I was trying to immediately redirect my son for the next morning because at that point what would happen is that my son would come downstairs and instantly ask to watch tv so I wanted to just avoid that situation or at least attempt to avoid it by having an instant distraction for him and that was this train set because I knew he loved it and he liked playing with it that night too so I left it out and it worked the next morning, he came downstairs, and right where he was entering the living room, he saw his trains, and he did not ask for TV. He went to play with the toy, play with the trains, and we were able to delay that screen time request and delay turning it on altogether. So that's what we were doing. We delayed the start of the screen time, and what ended up happening was that The mornings were a lot smoother. There were fewer instances of tantrums. He was eating better. He was sleeping better. And we were just having overall better days, which meant that we were able to do more during the day too. We were able to go out and have fun. We were able to play together during the day. And he kind of forgot, I guess, about TV or at least pushed it off enough that, you know, it was fine. So then we you know, when he had those days that he was playing really nicely and then suddenly would ask for a show, we would let him because he hadn't seen anything yet, you know, he didn't have any screen time that day, so we would give him a few minutes of a show. And then, of course, when it was time to turn the TV off, a tantrum would start because he didn't want to have the TV off, He he wanted to keep watching. So the way that we dealt with that was telling him okay you know one more song five more minutes you know whatever um what really worked for us and I had to kind of use my OT background and inform my husband as well that instead of just saying okay that's it and turning the tv off you we had to let my son know okay five more minutes set an alarm and that was how we were able to transition from an activity really now that's how we do everything that's how we transition from any activity whether it's something he wants to do or doesn't want to do that's how we transition and it's very helpful because now the toddler is not surprised really anybody right any child is not surprised that something is ending or something is starting especially if it's a preferred activity that you're about to end and you're about to start maybe a non-preferred activity You don't want it to be so sudden because that's when you're going to get a tantrum. So what I said to my husband was, you know, how would you like it if somebody just suddenly took away what you were doing? You know, you're enjoying yourself and someone just snatched it away or took it out of your hands. You're not going to like that. And that essentially is what kids feel when you just suddenly turn off the TV. So that's how we started the transition of you know, 30 minutes, let's say, of TV, and then we set an alarm and said, you know, five more minutes, so my son knew it was ending soon. Then when the alarm went off, we turned off the TV. 
And so what we noticed then was, yes, the transitions were easier, but it wasn't a foolproof method when it came to screen time. He still, my son was still not able to really handle watching because even if he had a decent enough transition away from the screens, his behavior for the rest of the day was still significantly worse than on days where he didn't watch anything at all. So there came a point, again, right, where we reached our next limit. We were like, these tantrums are just too much. And at that point, since we had been able to decrease what we were from what we were doing before I think my husband realized okay we are in control of how much we can give our son he's not the one in control and it actually is avoidable to an extent my husband decided to unplug all of the tvs so for a very long time now I'm not even sure how long maybe a year is that does that even make sense has it been a year I'll have to go back and see if I have any notes or texts or anything about it. But for a very long time now, all of the TVs except for one have been quote unquote broken in our house. So really they're just unplugged or the remotes don't have batteries in them. But for my son, all of the TVs are broken. And we did that by my husband unplugging the TV and giving my son the remote when he asked for it. He asked for a TV, and my husband tried to turn it on himself and said, look, it's broken, and gave my son the remote, and my son tried to push some buttons. He probably wouldn't have been able to turn it on anyway, but then we were like, oh, no, it's broken, you know? Oops, like, we, it's broken. We'll have to fix it later, and from then on, the TV was just always broken, so our main level TV was broken, our basement TV was broken. The only TV that worked sometimes was the one in our bedroom. And we only, I don't want to say only, for the most part, my son only watches it on days where we have to all get ready to go somewhere, but we can't get ready with him running around or like we can't leave him somewhere. You know, if we have to get ready and we need him to just be in one place, that's when he's allowed to watch a couple of minutes of a show or a movie that he picks. Typically right now it seems to be Moana and sometimes it's Finding Nemo. So that's the only TV that works. And the reason that it's okay for us is because our bedroom is on a separate floor than our main living space and our basement so my son doesn't see our tv all the time we're not in our room often enough that he sees it and is tempted to watch it sometimes he will ask but he is entertained and distracted by his toys and everything else in the house that it's not like so in his face this tv that works so my son knows tvs are broken he tells everyone tv broken tv broken and we have not had much screen time since and I'm telling you the improvement in his behavior is so drastic the tantrums I'm not saying they don't exist he is still a three-year-old right but the tantrums are significantly fewer in number but also less extreme in severity it's also so cute and so fun to watch him play 
on his own. He'll play independently with his toys. He loves to play with his little Sesame Street figurines or his stuffed animals. He loves playing with blocks. He'll take books and read them by himself. Right? He's not really reading, but he has the stories memorized, so he pretends to read. He'll read a book to his sister. He'll play with toys with his sister. And he also will ask us, Mama, come, let's play. Right, That wasn't happening when he had so many screens, when he was watching TV and that's what he wanted to do. He wasn't asking to go play. He wasn't asking me to go play. He wasn't picking books for himself to read. And his attention span to his toys was also shorter. He wasn't interested in playing with them for as long because he knew there is something else that he could have that would be significantly easier and more captivating without the work, right? So now that the TVs are broken, his imagination was able to grow. His skills at independent play, at imaginary play, really all types of play, he was able to practice more. And now he is a phenomenal independent player. He is so good at playing. He is so good at imaginative play. He's good at social play, imitative play. He is so good at it and I know it sounds silly like oh how can somebody be bad at playing it's not that you could be bad at playing but just like anything being able to play especially on your own is a skill it's a skill that you need to practice right a child's main job is to play and just like any job we need to learn how to do that job And as we learn, as we practice, we get better and better and better at it. So now my son spends most of his time playing with different toys, sometimes by himself, sometimes with us. When he comes home from school, we don't turn the TV on for him. I'm sure he gets screens at school and, you know, whatever. I can't control his classroom. But even when he gets a screen in his class, it's totally different of an experience than when he gets a screen if he were to get a screen at home because in the classroom he's watching something with other kids with his teachers and I imagine they probably have some sort of conversations about it or maybe the teachers repeating the alphabet or the colors that are being said in the video or maybe not you know maybe not for every single video but at least there is a schedule so if they have a video for a few minutes then the teachers transition them to the next activity so it's not like my son is just sitting there by himself watching a video all day long which is kind of what happens at home right if you give your child a screen so for these reasons like forget the research if you want my personal experiences are why you should consider decreasing screen time for your kids again i'm not saying take it away a hundred percent but at least decreasing it a little bit you will see a huge difference and after i posted on instagram about the screen free saturday i actually got a bunch of messages from people some friends some just instagram friends um you know not just but some instagram friends and some friends from real life about you know wow like that's so cool are you 100 screen free that's so interesting how did you start and then some so i told them exactly what i'm telling all of you i told them the exact process of how we started and then other people said that ever since they saw that video it motivated them to try decreasing screens and i actually had one person tell me that they had gone completely screen free after watching my video 
And within just three days, she noticed a huge difference in her kids. They were sleeping better. They were playing more. They were just overall happier, it seemed. And she was really thankful that she saw that video and that, you know, she was able to be inspired to make that transition away from screens because we get dependent on them too as parents, right? We, you know, it's just like we were saying, you put them in front of the screen so that you can get some sanity, so that you can get some things done, so you could be productive, right? That's oftentimes why we introduce screens in the first place. But I um, was at a professional development day for the school that my practice works in, my agency, Motion Spot works in. And I was listening to a conversation. I wasn't purposely eavesdropping. I just walked by and heard a couple things with this one teacher who was saying that her kids don't have their own phones, where like a lot of kids, I guess their age, were starting to get phones. And so they don't really have, you know, their phones, they don't have screens, I don't think they, maybe they have like one TV in the house, I'm not sure exactly, but basically she said that, you know, her kids don't have phones and screens, and they don't ask for them, the teacher was like, well, what do you mean they don't ask for them, like, what do you do if they ask you, she's like, well, they don't really ask because they don't know anything else, and when I heard that, I was like, you know what, she has a great point, like, if you don't know anything else, like, how can you know what you don't know? right? You don't know what you don't know. That's the thing. So from that point is when I decided to start not only decreasing TV, but also phones. So my son does not have an iPad. I have no interest in getting one for him. Maybe one day, I don't know. But at this point, he is just not at a place in his development and also just his personality where he can handle the screens. So he's not getting an iPad or a tablet, or whatever, but as far as phones go, right, like, my son is smart, toddlers are smart, at some point after not having TV, he decided his request is going to turn to phones, because he sees I'm on my phone, he sees my husband is on his phone, like, he sees that we're on our technologies, so my husband and I decided to actively try decreasing how much we're on our phones in front of our kids, And especially for me, for whatever reason, when my son sees me on the phone, that's when he demands that he gets to watch a video on my phone. I don't know how that happened. Probably he asked for it one time and I gave it to him, whereas either he asked my husband, my husband didn't give it to him, or maybe he never even asked. I don't know. For whatever reason, I am the easier parent to get a phone from in my son's mind. So when I started saying no, that turned into tantrums right? And it just, there again, got to a point, as it always does, where I was so sick of it. So I said, okay, no more, no more phones. Now the phones are broken too. And that's what we did. I said, you know, oops, no no phone. The phone is broken. My mommy's phone is broken. Mommy's work phone is broken. Both of the phones are broken. And luckily he's at an age where he believed that. But what we did also was I told my husband, like, you know, if my phone is quote unquote broken for my son, like, then you're not seeing, you're not having yours out either. Like that's the only thing that's fair, right? So both of our phones are away when we are with our kids and that worked. He stopped asking for phones so frequently. We will show him something on our say, right? If we decide to show him something for whatever reason, like with potty training, we'll show him something or we'll show him pictures or videos of his cousins or we'll FaceTime friends or something like that, family members. He sees the phone when we control that he gets to see it. 
and so his tantrums have decreased, his requests for screens have decreased, and his play has increased, and that has been huge. So if you need help trying to get started on decreasing screens, or if you're not sure exactly, you know, should you decrease, how much, how to go about it, I'm here for you. Please reach out. Do not hesitate to reach out to me. I'm happy to help you. I will hold your hand as much as I can, especially if your child is having various behaviors after screens and you're kind of sick of it and you think like, all right, this is just my kid's personality or, you know, screens are unavoidable or, you know, we're just stuck in this. You are not. Please reach out. You can message me on Instagram at motionspotllc or our pediatrics page, Motion Spot Pediatrics. I'm happy to answer your questions to my you know, the best way that I possibly can and help you through this process. I have had people message me after I share these screen time related posts, you know, saying they're scared of that tantrum phase. I'm not going to lie. It's not like it was easy. It's not that it just happened, you know, instantly. There was, of course, that initial tantrum after I said no, but the results far outweigh those couple of tantrums from the beginning right, and the longevity of this benefit far outweighs those couple of little tantrums from the beginning, or, you know, seemingly little now, I'm sure in the moment they weren't so little, but it's definitely better to have that initial tantrum when you say no to screens and high tech than to just be afraid of that tantrum, and so you prolong the screens and you keep giving them those high tech right you're not doing yourself any favors in that so now instead of giving my son a video or a phone on the tv uh, a video excuse me on the tv or, or my phone to keep him entertained while i get stuff done he plays on his own and that's when i get things done when he's doing independent play and then you know sometimes it's only 5 minutes but sometimes it's a good like 20 minutes that he'll play on his own and he'll make up his own games and then he'll invite me to play with him and it's a very sweet moment so i'm very happy that we decided to do this i have no regrets about it i'm thrilled that my husband got on board as well and realized that the screens were not helping us out and now we're both on the same page and I'm hoping also that my daughter won't be introduced to screens maybe until much later. I'm sure she will be at some point, right? Like in that sense, yeah, they're not avoidable. But since we've learned from our mistakes with our son, I, you know, I'm hoping that we can delay our daughter starting on screens as well. And if nothing else, you know, I don't know, maybe we can't delay how old she is when she first gets to watch a TV show for her, you know, kids her age. But at the very least, she's not going to be introduced to it earlier because that's also what tends to happen, right? When you have an older sibling who's already doing something, the younger sibling gets introduced to that thing way sooner because they see their older sibling doing it already. So I definitely did not want that to happen with my baby girl. I did not want her to start watching TV shows because my son was watching a TV show, right? I have a friend who lets their toddler watch TV only when the baby is sleeping so that the baby's not introduced to screens. And I love that approach as well. So it's not like, you know, the toddler is not getting this show that he wants at all. 
but he's only allowed to watch it at specific times. So again, the parents are in control. So in other words, it is possible. It is to an extent avoidable, right? You are in control of how much your child is exposed to. So I hope that is helpful information. There's a lot more to say about the topic, and I am very passionate about this topic myself, not just from my research, but also just from my experiences with my son. And I am happy to share all of that information with you to hopefully help you with any potential behavioral problems you might be dealing with or how to you know help decrease the screen time with your children so again i'm here for you i'm very passionate about it i'm sure i'll do another episode related to it maybe i'll give new information since i again there's so much to say and we're running out of time so i can't include anything else i don't want to start a new topic related to it and not have time to really give you all of that information. So again, you can always reach out to me if you have any questions about this or anything else related to health, wellness, pediatrics, occupational therapy, speech therapy, motherhood, business, whatever. I'm here for you. You can email me at drjackie at motionspotllc.com or send us messages on Instagram at Motion Spot LLC or Motion Spot Pediatrics. That is all for this episode of Midweek Mom Talk. I hope it brought you a lot of information and inspiration. And I hope you tune in again to our next episode. Until then, bye-bye for now.